Hello nerds and welcome to another episode. This time I'm once again talking about history. Animals throughout history to be specific since animals are just way better than people. Yeah, anyway. First I'm gonna talk about a Polish war hero, Wojtek the bear and corporal in the Polish army during the Second World War. In 1942, a military convoy was slowly wending its way towards Palestine, where the mustering point of Polish troops was. They stopped at the roadside and took a little break. When some of them spotted a seemingly starving boy with a moving bag tied around his neck. The soldiers asked him about the content of this particular bag and upon loosening it, the small nose for bear cap poked out. The bear wasn't in the best condition not properly fed and the fur a mess. It was very likely that the bear would be used as a dancing bear, as it was common at the time. Used for entertainment would fill his life with abuse and if the bear was lucky, he would die young as those animals used to amuse weren't properly cared for, if they were cared for at all. For whatever reason, the soldiers wanted to buy the bear. However, they didn't have any money with them at the moment, but they did have food and as soon as they mentioned the food, the boy ended up handing the bear over almost immediately. Now having a bear is just what one needed during a war, they wanted to keep it a secret since that the Perius would not be really happy about it. Now being basically the parents of this small bear, they fed him some diluted condensed milk via an old vodka bottle. Maybe that explains his love for booze later in his life. By the way, look at a picture of him. He's incredibly adorable and the pictures are gonna bring a smile to your face. Anyway, soon the naming of this bear began and thus he was named Wojtek, meaning happy soldier or happy warrior. Fitting for this little guy, considering how much of a part he was during the war later in his life. One of the soldiers, Peter Prendes, even happily accepted the role as Wojtek's guardian. Whenever there was something scaring Wojtek, he ran to Peter for safety. He even got to sleep in a tent in a portable wash basin. It's just too adorable. <laughs> I'm dying as I'm recording this. Wojtek often slipped into the bed of Peter seeking warmth and comfort. Peter did get teased and was called Mother Bear, but he didn't mind. He kept on taking care of this young bear and would always comfort him should Wojtek be frightened or tired. He often played tag with the people around him and as he got older and bigger, he enjoyed to participate in friendly wrestling match matches with the soldiers. Just imagine wrestling with a big brown bear. As cute as he is, that's kind of scary. Wojtek would not only take one on one guy, no. Whole group of soldiers would try and tackle him. Every now and then Wojtek would even let them win. However, Wojtek did sometimes do things he shouldn't. One Christmas Eve, he walked toward the camp food store. Well, what's gonna happen? I don't know. There he went on a rampage and had his own little feast. The things that could be opened were opened and the contents went straight down the bear's gullet. In the end, one could have thought a tornado thripped through the storage. 
the soldiers were obviously not happy about that and they did punish him. As his list of crimes grew, he redeemed himself when he caught an Arab spy. When he was an adult bear, he would take showers together with his soldiers. Since he did use a lot of this precious water, the doors to the showers were locked. He still tried to get in and one fateful day he did. Someone forgot to lock the doors and Wojtek got inside immediately, which was followed by a loud shriek. Soldiers quickly came to the scene where they found the spy with tears streaming down his face, pleading to save him from the frightened bear. I mean, just imagine you're taking a shower and suddenly a bear walks in. That would be very scary and how, how would the bear even get into your apartment? I mean, I live in the basement, so it is very un unlikely that a bear would just walk down the basement stairs and open my door. But if he did, that would be very concerning and I would, I think I would be too confused to be scared, but I, I don't know. It never happened. I hope it never happens. It would be weird and scary, I guess. Anyway, after that, Wojtek was awarded with food and beer. He even was allowed an extra long shower. He deserved this. There was another time where he helped out, this time during battle. In the Battle of Monte Cassino, Polish troops were sent to attack the Germans' position, which seemed to be nearly impossible. For that, ammunition had to be carried to the guns. It went slow at first, and some people driving those trucks with ammunition crashed and died. Wojtek was at this place too, and after a while, he got a little bored, I guess, and he began observing the happenings around him. After a while, he started joining the soldiers. He started unloading boxes of ammunition and other supply. Even though he wasn't trained in this, he never once dropped a box. It was only with his help that they were able to bring such an amount of ammunition to British and Polish troops. Overall was this bear an amazing animal and he helped the soldiers when they had a bad day. It was war after all. When Wojtek noticed that one of his friends was upset, he would sit down next to him and give him emotional comfort. After the Second World War ended and the soldiers were sent home to their families, the question arose what to do with their fairy friend. They couldn't take him with them. After years of being treated like a human, he was to be sent to a zoo. No one was happy with this decision. The soldiers were heartbroken. For years they faced dangers together. They played games, wrestled, and now as they got ready to say goodbye, they were devastated. The bear didn't know what was about to happen until they arrived at the Edinburgh Zoo and he was left in his new home. Reluctantly, the soldiers turned around and left. It's, it was a very sad situation. His guardian Peter would burst into tears whenever Wojtek was mentioned. It was like leaving his child behind. Wojtek, after noticing that his friends wouldn't be back, was of course sad. His normally cleaned fur was now becoming filthy as he stopped cleaning himself. He would always perk up whenever he heard someone talk in Polish. 
gradually he got better and he started befriending the zookeepers. Whenever one of his old friends visited him, he would be happier than ever for several days. On the 15th of November in 1963, he sadly passed away. Though considering how much alcohol he consumed and how much he loved cigarettes, lit cigarettes, 22 was quite a good age for him. Overall, as I already said, he was an amazing animal and he should never be forgotten. If you want to know more about his story, you can read Wojtek the Bear, Polish war hero by Erlin Orr. It was incredibly fascinating to read about this adorable bear and in the book there are some more of his adventures he experienced. Next I wanted to talk about the book The Cruel Smiles by Salisbury. This book is about a deadly epidemic that swept through Nome, a town in Alaska where dogs played a huge part. The town was built after two Swedes and a Norwegian found a nugget near the beach. A gold nugget, not a nugget from McDonald's you can eat. This caused more people to go to this place. Especially people who had no savings to buy food or pay rent. Hundreds of miners arrived in Nome by 1898 to try their luck and hopefully find some gold to bring home. Some of the people who came to Nome risked everything to get there and thus didn't want to return back home, empty-handed back to poverty. According to one account, one miner was quite desperate and upon arriving on the beach, where supposedly gold was to be found quite easily, well, he didn't see any of this promised gold and shot himself after screaming that it was all a lie. If only this guy would have looked around a little bit longer instead of expecting to be drowning in gold at the beach. Maybe he would have found something. We may never know, cause he's dead. As the population of the town grew and more buildings were built, they also got their own mail delivery service, which in winter relied upon dog teams, the heroes of the story. The arrival of the service was quite an exciting event to watch, as the driver had 25 dogs pulling two sleds with a 1,500 pound load. To travel without dogs this far up north was sometimes quite impossible since the only other way was to walk. Have fun, especially when the temperatures get down to minus 30 degrees. Lovely. Dogs have always been important to Gnome. Some who even remotely looked like they could pull a sled were kidnapped and sold in the north, whether they could withstand the cold or not. Dogs were bred to pull heavy loads to, for short distances. To put together a team that would pull a sled was also not the easiest task. Each dog was selected for its speed, strength and gait, so that it matched the other dogs in the team. On the Alaskan Trail, the driver had to rely on the dogs to be brought safely across the rough and dangerous land and the dogs in return required care and protection. Since dog teams were this necessary, a lot of people had them and thus the streets were ruled by dogs. Sounds like heaven. They actually became such a hazard that a law was passed requiring them to wear belts. In April of 1908, dog races started to get popular. Tired of the seven month long winter, the residents welcomed the race quite enthusiastically while others weren't so happy about it and called it reckless. 
One of the racers was Zeppola, who was nicknamed King of the Trail. He had won most of the dog races he entered, together with his favorite lead dog, Togo. Zeppola knew his way around. He knew every turn of the trail from Nenana to Nome, which would be important later on. The winters in Nome were, as I already said, at least seven months long, and by early November the Bering Sea would be frozen over until the following spring, cutting Nome off from the world. Dr. Welch, the only doctor around for hundreds of miles, ordered them diphtheria toxin since his supply had expired. It didn't get delivered, but since there hasn't been a confirmed diphtheria case, he didn't think much of it and thought things would be fine. Things were not even close to be fine. In 1925, the first children showed symptoms, like extremely foul breath and a sore throat, which of course are symptoms of diphtheria. But Welch didn't want to cause panic and he initially believed that the children had a cold. They had not. But things got worse. And after the first children died, Walsh had to admit that it was indeed diphtheria. First, the people that were sick or were at risk of being infected were quarantined. Welch tried to treat his patients with the expired medicine, but when in some cases it did help a little, it didn't work with everyone and there wasn't much of it left. More fresh serum had to be brought to Nome. The Bering Sea was icebound, thus leaving only the land route. The entire route, which normally would take about 25 days to cover, days the people in Nome did not have, could be covered by two fast dog sled teams. One would start from the railhead at Nenana, and the other from Nome. They would be halfway on the trail, and one of the teams would be Sebala and his dogs. Sebala prepared to go on the trip. Shannon, the other dog sled driver, waited inside the train station 674 miles away from Nome to get the serum. The temperature was already dropping below minus 30 to 40 degrees. Not exactly temperatures anyone would like to travel in. As the train with the serum arrived, Shannon didn't lose any time and secured the serum to his sled and together with his dog team, which was led by the dog Blackie, he bolted along the tracks into the cold. But the trail was too broken to be used and Shannon led his team onto the frozen Tanana River. That can be very dangerous, but the dogs knew where to step and went to run faster or slower. In those situations, it was important for the driver to trust his dogs that they would cross the frozen river safely. In the middle of the night, they arrived at a roadhouse where they could warm up and rest. Parts of Shannon's face had already turned black from severe frostbite and his dogs were in no better condition. After four hours, he was ready to keep going. Some of his dogs had to be left behind, unfortunately, for they were in no condition to run for any more hours. The same morning, Zeppala was informed via his telephone that it was time to head out into the cold. He lined up his team and started his trip to get a serum. On the 28th of January at the roadhouse at Telovana, 650 miles east of Nome and Shannon's final destination, another dog driver, Kellans, waited for his arrival to start his trip with a serum and get closer to Nome. 
the situation in Nome didn't get any better. Dr. Welch impatiently awaited the arrival of the serum to help his patients. Newspapers from San Francisco to Chicago covered the news about the epidemic and the dog teams were the only ones that could get the serum to Nome. Some even wanted interviews with Dr. Welch, requests the doctor angrily declined by snapping, I am a physician, not a press agent, which really reminded me of Dr. McCoy, a character from Star Trek. The quote reminded me of him because McCoy also said in an episode once, I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. Just a little side note. Anyway, back to the story. There was a change of plan. The governor Bowen wanted to call in more drivers on the final part of the run. Part of the plan was for Zeppala to wait for the serum at another place. Problem was only that Zeppala was already gone and there was no way to inform him anymore. But orders are orders and the plan was brought into action to get more drivers for the final part of the trip. More teams were placed on the trail and now 20 men and 150 dogs would be taking part in the race to save Nome. The serum had now been on the trail for three days and it traveled 356 miles with 318 miles left to go. Meanwhile, Sepala was still unaware of the change of plan and only through some great luck did he meet another driver who then gave him the serum and told him of the new plan. There was no time to lose and he quickly raced to his new destination. For that, he had to cross Norton Sound, also called the Ice Factory. This frozen sea seemed to go on for miles and was quite dangerous to cross. The ice was in constant state of changing and huge chunks of it would suddenly break free and drift out into the sea. He raced across the ice, trusting his dogs to get him over this part safely, when he heard a crack. Togo, without needing instructions, now in top speed, raced toward the nearest point on land when he suddenly stopped and jumped back to his team. A few feet in front of him, there was a growing channel of water. They were in a flow, with no way to escape, floating towards the sea. After hours, the wind started to change and they drifted back toward the shore. They still weren't close enough that Zeppelin could jump over, but he could get Togo to the shore. Togo was a lead dog for a reason, and once he was on shore, he lurched toward the shore and by that pulled the flow with the rest of his team to safety. Once all of them were off the flow, they kept going and arrived at Isaac's point where they could rest and warm up. The next time they kept going again to Gullivan. The next station on the track where the serum would be passed on the driver, Charlie Olsen. Between Gullivan and Nome, there were only 78 miles left to go. Because the epidemic wasn't enough, now a storm started to really mess up the plans and the trip was supposed to be put on a break, since the drivers could easily get hurt in such a blizzard and the serum would also be in danger. There was only, again, the problem with not being able to tell every driver of that. They just had to hope that the information somehow would get to everyone involved in the trip. It did not. Carson waited for Olsen to arrive that he could get the serum once again closer to Nome. During Olsen's journey, the temperatures dropped down to minus 70 degrees, resulting in him almost losing his fingers when he put 
additional blankets on his dogs so that they didn't get frostbites or severely injured in the cold. Carson would wait for a while to not endanger his dogs or himself in this cold. But the weather didn't get any better and Carson made his decision to head out with his 13 dogs who were led by Balto. They were racing as fast as they could and when they arrived at port safety, the roadhouse was dark. Not wanting to wake Ed Ron, who was supposed to take their serum one last few miles to Nome, Carson kept going and in the early morning of February the 2nd, Carson arrived in Nome. And supposedly, before you collapsed, he stumbled up to Balto muttering, damn fine dog. Now with the serum in Nome, the doctor didn't lose any time and treated his patients while even more serum was on the way. I guess a lot of people know of Balto. He got a movie, he was a celebrity and he got a statue in New York. While Balto and his team did deserve all of this, the other dogs and drivers were kind of forgotten. The dogs who lost their lives on the trail, who were crippled for the rest of their lives because of frostbite and the paws, they all deserve to be recognized as heroes and without them the death toll of this epidemic would have been far greater. The only dog who got called a hero later is Togo. Let's not forget any of them and what they did to save a town. All good dogs. And I am once again crying. Love it. <laughs> After that, planes slowly took over and carried mail around. By 1941, planes covered 56 routes while dog teams covered only 10. And by the early 1960s, there was only one dog route left in Alaska. The postman was Chester Nongavuk, and he drove his team 50 miles to the landing point where the airmail plane touched down. His last race took place in January 1963. In 1975, a reenactment of the Serum Run was held in Alaska. Many of the sons of the original drivers took part in the whole trip took six days longer than the one in 1925. And that's how the story ends of the dogs who deserved all the affection and treats. I loved reading about it and the book was very informative. If you want to know more about the story of Gnome and about the dog races, the authors wrote some more about this in their book, so check it out if you're interested. And that is also the end of this episode. I hope you had as much fun listening to it as I had recording it. I am definitely going to talk more about animals that did amazing things throughout history. Anyway, bye!